Yeah, we are continuing with the teaching that we've been teaching on, and that is from the book of Luke, chapter 8. And that is the parable of the sour. We started on the, on, the, on the issue of the thorny ground. We have touched on it two weeks, and today we finish it. Now, the, best, the main thing that I want, I want to remind us, we are continuing with the parable of the sour. You may say we are staying too long on this parable. But it is being placed upon my heart. I, I, like being obe I like obeying. And I always say the Holy Spirit is the boss. So I don't, I don't question him. When he says go, I go. And I would like us to be obedient to the voice of the Spirit. One of the things that has come upon my heart as I continue to meditate on this particular word. It is something about the kingdom of God. Jesus said these words. The kingdom of God comes without observation. That is... You will not see it coming. You just realize it is there. You simply realize it is manifesting. You cannot be able to explain it started from this particular point and this is how it has been developing and going this way. That's why it has reached where it has. He says the kingdom comes without observation. It is a unique kind of kingdom and it manifests itself in a unique way. Now what I want you to realize, the interesting thing is, the kingdom of God is hidden in the word of God. Now realize something strange about the word. Your words, my words, or whatever. When you speak the word, you can't see anything concerning the word. But in due time, the words you've been speaking, they start being realized in your life or in the lives of your family or in the lives of those ones you have been speaking over, over, and over again. It comes without observation. The word as it comes forth, it may appear you are just reading for the fun of reading or he listening for the fun of listening. But something strange is happening in that particular word because the word is spirit. It is forming and taking, it, taking, its, particular, in, 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 taking its image, forming its image in the place where you are either receiving it or you are speaking it. And that's the reason why the Lord speaks concerning the parable of the sour. When we looked at the first bit, the very beginning, when you looked at the, the wayside, the wayside is said it does not receive the word. The word just lies on top and it is taken away, swept away. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now I want you to note this. An interesting thing. On a hard ground or in a hard place, it, when the word comes, it is not able to form its way because the, hard is the, the, the wayside is so hard and so, so difficult, it does not receive the word. So the word just rolls over it and it rolls away. It is taken off. It cannot form itself in that particular place. It, it is it, it says, I'm the, I'm the life. No life can abide in that particular wayside. Why? Because it is hard. It is not able to allow the word to go in so that it forms itself because the word must go into the seed, must go into the soil so that it may be able to start manifesting its, its nature from within the soil. And in due time, that whatever seed was, it was starts to be revealed and manifested in due time. We never know what is happening under the ground. In fact, he says the seed dies fast. Then it starts to bring forth life. 
Now realize something. The rocky ground said it is it receives the word briefly, but it is not, it doesn't have moisture. It is it doesn't allow the word to expand itself and to grow within it. It destroys that particular or that particular seed or that word because it is not set in a way to be able to receive that word. And realize he is speaking to you and he is speaking to me as his children. And I want us to continue checking ourselves as the word comes to us. Are we letting it roll by? And are we allowing or are, are we just, you know, pressing it so much that it, is, it doesn't have any moisture? It is not encouraged to be able to grow. We don't pray over it. We don't seek God's face over it so that that word may be fulfilled and manifested in our lives. And lastly, we have been touching on the thorny ground. And if you look on the thorny ground, it says it says clearly the cares, the, you know, the riches and the pleasures of life, they choke that particular word. And we've touched on it in depth. I talked on the issue that the thorny ground are those guys who are in slumber mood. It is pleasure time. You don't have time for the word. You don't realize what is happening. You're just enjoying and floating around. That is the guy in the slumber mood. You do not, we do not redeem the time when we are the thorny ground. We don't realize that there is a set time for everything. When the promise of God comes, it comes for a particular season and a particular set time. It is for you and I to be alert. When the promise comes and when the word comes, grab it, hold on to it, cry unto the Lord concerning that particular promise and get hold of it. It will form in you. The word has a strange nature. If you don't hold firm on it and, and you know, refuse with it, it will not form. It, it's as if it has a nature without a sense. Does he or she really want me to be here? Does he or she really desire me to, you know, to spread out in it? So it's like it keeps on testing all the points to see whether all the points are conducive for it to be able to spread out. The moment it discovers it is not, it's as if it puts a break until that particular place is yielded. Now what is it about the soil? The soul must yield to the, to the seed. So your heart and my heart must yield to the seed. And that is where the, issue, the dangers of the, the thorny ground are. So we've touched on the issues of that issue of the redeeming of the time. We've touched on the, we touched on the issue last time. We said it is the attitude of I want, you know, God does not, the word of God does not take the first place. It is me first, me first, me first. I must do what I want to do then. The things of God will come second. So the cares of this world, they come in and they choke what it is. This is what I want to do. What I desire to accomplish for so and so, for my family, for whatever. Not what the word of God desires me to do. And then lastly, last week we touched on the issue. We do not want to rock the boat. You remember we touched on the story of Lot. How Lot was in Sodom. And we shared very briefly, you know, briefly on that word, and it was a sad situation. Because it says, this man, he, he was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. That was in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 9. By seeing and hearing, 
he oppressed his righteous soul to the extent that he lost his bearing. He became a heavy drunkard. And because of becoming a heavy drunkard, although he was a righteous man, he ended up loving the, you know, the, 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 the drinking just like they used to do in Sodom and Gomorrah, that he lost his senses that he slept with his daughters. Not only one, but two, or two of them. He slept with all the two daughters and he became a grandfather of his own, his own he became the grandfather of his own, of his own son. Because essentially it is the son of his daughter. So he becomes the grandfather as well as the father. You can imagine that, that and we talked about the, 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 you know, the shame. No wonder even the word of God says he decided to live in the hills. The hills and you know in the cave. He could not come into the midst of the other people. After, you know, because he stayed away, they took a different route. Now realize it's all because of that one thing. He did not want to rock the boat. He, he loved Sodom and Gomorrah. And it is a warning unto you and unto me in our conduct. So let us move to item number five that I would just like us to look at. And that is the thorny ground. As we continue to look at it, let us consider ourselves. As I say, the kingdom of God comes without observation. And for the kingdom of God to manifest itself in you and in me and in this church, and just as we have said, ask for rain in the time of the latter rain, that particular word of the kingdom has to enter into you and enter into me so that it may be able to start exerting itself, its influence and its force and its power in you and in me as we yield unto its power, as we yield unto its nagging, as if we yield unto whatever direction that the word is giving unto us, the kingdom of God starts to form and to manifest. You start to exert authority in a place where you could not exert authority. You go to speak and suddenly the ears of the people stop open and start hearing, Oh Lord, what did she say? What was he saying? They do not take your word just any, anyhow like that. Suddenly it shakes them to, to awakenness. Even your own family starts to realize there's something about this man or this young man or this young lady which is totally different because the kingdom is starting to exert its force in you and through you. So, the fifth aspect of the thorny ground and you weigh yourself as I weigh myself, could this be me? The thorny ground is that individual who loves the praise of men and women more than the praise of God. And you will, you will, we will see what this is all about just briefly from Scripture. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. Hear what he says about the Jews during the time of Jesus. He says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. Hear that. Many believed in him. That is John chapter 12, verse 42 to 43. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Have you ever found a person who is afraid of losing face because of his testimony or her testimony? Or because of the word of God, 
One doesn't want to identify himself or herself, or I don't want to identify myself or my own in the crowd, in the midst of the unbelievers, or in any place that is afraid of losing friends. That is an indicator I love the praise of men. It's not just a matter of my, I'm shy, or I am, you know, I'm not a, I'm an introvert. No, this one is a matter of, it is a secret way, in other words, I love the praise of men, so I will not want, I don't want to identify that I'm actually a believer in the Lord Jesus. I don't want to mention the name Jesus. I will look odd in this place. Secondly, have you found somebody who is, an, there is the fear of not being recognized? He or she really wants to push their head out in the situation so that in the event I don't, in, in, if I say I am a Christian, I will not be recognized in this particular group. So they cover, one covers their faith, one covers their stand or their testimony or their stand, they adjust their stand simply because they desire to be recognized. Let me watch myself as you watch yourself. Might that be happening in our life? There's the fear of not being included. There is fear that I will not be included in the crowd. Look here. It says they were afraid they will not be accepted in the synagogue. They will be moved out from the crowd. And as a result, because of their faith, they were, they, they were not ready to sacrifice because of the faith. But realize at the beginning it says they believe. We say to the Tony Brown, the God, this guy, this man, or this woman actually is a believer, believes so strongly. But the problem is they mix, they allow many other. That is the Tony Brown, is the individual. Although I believe, I also allow many other partners to come and stay in the same house with the word. And as a result, the word is not able to find the freedom it wants to express itself. You can look in your heart, look in my heart. What, is, what are those partners that I have allowed to come to live in me or to live with me that are choking the word of God, that are killing the influence of the word of God in my life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other aspect is look at John chapter 5 verse 41 to 44. Hear what he says, John chapter 5, verse 41 to 44. The word of God says, I do not receive honor from men. That is Jesus. He says, I do not receive honor from men. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe? who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. We live in a time and a season in our Christian work where we love to pamper each other with praise and we love to receive the honor of men and women. So if I know that I will preach in this way and people will not honor or will not praise me for my preaching, I would rather then come down that particular preaching and allow to preach in a manner that will be acceptable to the people so that they will clap for me and they will say that I, 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 give a very good, I gave a very good speech or something like that. That is not what God is looking for. God is looking for you to send forth his word. What he places upon your heart, be ready to, re to release it whether people like it or they don't like it. It is the word of God. 
And it is not your word, it is not my word. Praise God. May we be found to be a people who will be able to stand seeking the honor of God. Now, second thing, I realize something strange about this place. He says, how can you believe who receive honor from one from another and do not seek the honor that comes from God? Can you realize the danger that is found? It affects even your faith and my faith. When I seek to receive the pampering, you know, I seek my sister to come and, you know, tap me on the back. Yeah, 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 you're doing very well. That is so good. You know, I, I want to preach the word that will be pleasing to the ears of the, to the, ears of the people. Let us be alert in our every walk, our every conduct, that we may only seek to please one, the honor that is of God. If he's happy, if he's pleased, all is well. Praise the Lord. But I may please everybody, but I'm dishonoring him because I'm not sharing what it is that he wants to be shared. In that particular case, I'm in great danger. You are in great danger. May the Lord grant us grace. We may realize whether we are the thorny ground or not the thorny ground. As I share on this thing, let me be able to provoke us so that we can lay aside that which is not of God, and we may be able to receive from maybe the next time when I come, we shall be talking about the good ground and what is actually the good soil all about. Now, the last bit is, the, the, last, the last point I want to touch on, on the thorny ground, we have said that they love the praise of men or women more than the praise of God. That is item number five. And item number six, which came to my heart was, you refuse or I refuse. Or that man or woman refuses to be washed, to have their feet washed. Now you may wonder why I say such a strange thing. Here John, that is John chapter 13, verse 3 to 8. John chapter 13, verse 3 to 8. The Bible says the following. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took up a towel and guarded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was guarded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Now before we come to that particular part, there's something that just think of the thorns and the other plants that are growing by it. Thorns, as you realize, as the plant with thorns, it, it, it sends out its thorns anyhow. It is not strategic in the way you've got, is it a bramble or a bush or whatever it is, you know, even the, these berries, you know these berries that people love eating, we love eating them. As they grow out, try to go to walk through them. The, those, those guys, they, know how, they, don't, they don't have any order of how they place, you know, their whatever are going all over. You try to go through them, your fingers, your hands, everywhere will be pricked. Or you can't be able to go through. You simply retreat. That is exactly how the thorny ground works with the word of God. You realize that the, 
Think about like the air balloon. When the air balloon is going, when it is puffed up and it is so huge and it can carry so many men and women up into the sky and they can roam up and down in the air and it's only air. But just take a small, small needle and go and suddenly you'll discover what happens. The whole thing will come down with everybody just carrying. And we shall hear that there was a tragedy. Many men or women died as a result of their bones broken and what have you. Same exactly with the word of God, and that is abiding in the place where there are thorns. Thorns hinder the world from progressing. As the world wants to expand itself in you because of some given cares that I have allowed, because of some pleasure that I want to have, because of riches that I'm seeking to amass riches, we live in a time of the gospel of prosperity, because I want to be seen by everybody that I also own. I am blessed. You know, I am also high there. This is a sign of God working in me. It is a sad thing. But that is the way that the Christian church has presented prosperity of the Lord in, in that particular light. Because I want to show it all from, to all the world that I am also somebody unique and special in the sight of God. As a result, what do I do? I allow those things to come. They choke the word. When the word tries to come there, it is pricked. So it, it retreats. It goes there, it is pricked. It retreats. It goes here, it is pricked. It, is, it is retreats. As a result, it is not able to mature to bring forth the fruit that it is expected to bring forth. Now realize something. As you look at Peter, Peter told the master, I do not want you to wash my feet. How does that relate to you and to me? Look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 26. Briefly, the word of God says, Husbands, love your wives. Just as Jesus Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now verse 26 is the main one. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. The word of God is the water that washes you and washes me. Every child of God must be washed by the water of the word. If I and you are not washed by this water, we have no part with him. As he told Peter, you shall, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Ephesians says he is washing his bride, as we have read in that place. He wants to sanctify, set it apart, set you apart, set me apart. And he says, and cleanse us with the washing. He sets us apart with the washing. He sanctifies, he cleanses us with the washing of the word. It is not that I am going to rise up or falling into sin and I come jumping up and say, oh, wash me with the blood of Jesus. Father, wash me with the blood of Jesus. No, it is not the blood of Jesus that is going to wash you. It is this word that works on you and works on me. The blood has paid the price to accept you as a son or a daughter. This word washes you and makes me, you and me to be clean in his sight. If we don't take heed of the word, we will not be washed. 
We can plead the blood of Jesus a thousand, a million times, and we'll still wallow in sin. But when you allow the blood, the word, because it has been sanctified and set about by that blood that was shed, he paid for the price by his blood, but he gave the word for to wash you and to wash me. You are clean because of what I've spoken unto you, says Jesus. If you look in John chapter 15, he says you have been clean. You are clean because of what I've spoken to you. And that's a power, that is the power of this word. So the thorny ground is the man or the woman who does not want to have their lives washed by the word. They don't want to hear the correction of the word. If that happens in you and in me, we are in danger. It is time to wake up and discover, oh, hold on. Where am I and what on earth am I doing? It is not just a mere declaration of the words. It is, I'm going to have to allow these words, subject myself to the word. What does that mean? He says, wash my hands. Peter now came and told him, wash my head, wash my hands, wash my feet, wash me. And the Lord told him, the Lord told him some very interesting part. But that one you can read for yourself. What I want us to consider here, just look at what Peter said, wash my hands, my feet, and my head. The essence of it is, wash my hands. That is, whatever you or me, whatever we handle, Whatever we do must be washed by the word. Praise God. Check it through whatever I do or whatever you do. Is it in line? Let the word wash it. Whatever my feet, wherever I go, let the word wash my places where I go. Are they places where he is glorified? Let me be washed by the word. I walk in the world, put on the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, says the word. So wherever I will step, it is where the word wants me to step in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, wash my head. That is whatever I think, whatever I hear, whatever I see, it is washed by the word. Hear what he says, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. This word is sweet. It is glorious. It will change you. It will change me. It is me and you who have got to decide. And finally, in line with that particular, same particular aspect, I want you to take a look at Psalms 26, verse 2 to 5. Just in line with what we have spoken of, wash my hands, Wash my feet and wash my head. Hear what the word of God says, Psalms 26, verse 2 to 5. David writes these words and verse 2 says, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. That is the man of God who is crying to God. Verse 3. For your loving kindness is before my eyes. And I have walked in your truth. Verse 4. Listen. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals. Nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers. And I will not sit with the wicked. 
Can you imagine such a stand of one who has discovered to be washed by the word, to be cleansed by the word, to be restored by the word. Let us love this word. If I and you are a thorny ground, what it will mean, what basically then it means is we have our hearts are in slumber mood. We are sleeping, and the word is telling us, Awake, O thou sleeper, and the Lord Jesus will give you life, or he will give you light. That is, the thorny ground, the thorny heart is that one that is in slumber mood. Secondly, the thorny heart is the heart that does not know how to redeem time. That is, we do not know that we don't have much time. And as a result, we revel in the things of the world and not seek to ascribe ourselves to the kingdom and the kingdom to be manifested in us. Thirdly, the thorny ground is that one where the word of God does not take the first place. There are simple principles that we know, but we forget them so easily. The word of God does not take the first place. Remember Luke chapter 9, verse 59 and 60, where this guy tells the Lord, let me fast, let me fast. We love that. We always tell him, let me fast. Number four, the Tony heart is that one that does not like to rock the boat. Like Lord, you love to live amongst the wicked or the unrighteous and do their stuff. Or see their stuff, laugh at what they are doing. Although you say, no, I don't do what they are doing. But you laugh at it. In due time, it influences us. And it gets us into their train. Fifthly, the thorny heart is the one that loves the praise of men and the praise of women more than the praise of God. They seek to be recognized. They hate losing face. And they want always to be included. You want to be part of the crowd. Let us watch on that. We only seek to impress those around us, not really what God desires of us. And lastly, we have said, you refuse the Lord to wash your feet. May God help us and grant us grace to be a people that will glorify him. Remember the thorny ground. Remember the rocky ground. Remember the wayside. Next time, God willing, we are going to get into the good ground. And I pray that as you ask for rain, keep on asking for rain. Who knows? Maybe by the time we are sharing on the good ground, our grounds will be fully prepared. The rain is truly going to fall. We shall be a different church. There will be a different manifestation of the Spirit of God in each one of us and in our families. In Jesus' name.